Hello and welcome to this, the final Good Finds podcast of the series, brought to you by Gumtree. Previously on the show, we chatted to the fantastic Catherine Tildesley, who talked to us about falling off camels, toilet blockages and boob bands. Yep, we covered a lot. Each episode, I'll be grilling a top celebrity guest to figure out once and for all, what's the story behind the stories? And by that, I mean, is any of the nonsense we read out about them true? Or is it all made up like the time I edited my Wikipedia page to claim I'm the world's strongest man and always will be? You can get in touch with us at Gumtree on Twitter and at Gumtree UK Instagram. And you should do, but only to tell us that you've subscribed to the podcast and leave us a five star review. I mean, get in touch if you haven't, but I probably won't read it. Today's guest is someone who I think of as the old ball and chain, him indoors, a right sort, and quite specifically, Mr. Rachel Paris. That's right, it's comedian, actor, writer, but mainly my husband, Marcus Brigstock. What, what a setup this is. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even sure. You just told me you were going out to do some things, and I was like, I don't trust you. Yeah, I've been sneaking around. Yeah, I'm here to check up on you. Now here you are and find yeah. out what I've been saying about exactly. you all this time. What a lovely booth. Yes, it's mine. Thank you, I built it. <laughs> Thank you for having me on your show. It's all right. I'm going to call you Marcus Brigstock all the way through. Are you Rachel Paris? All right, it's a deal. <laughs> Mr Marcus Brigstock. We're going to be chatting about being expelled from schools. Yes, plural. Prosthetic legs and cheese. Let's meet the one and only... He made me write that in my vows, actually. <laughs> Marcus Brigstock! Marcus Brigstock, welcome to the Good Finds podcast. Nice to meet you. My name is Rachel Paris. Nice to meet you too. A few icebreaker questions for you. Mm -hmm. um, have you checked our shared calendar recently? Are we up to date? Yes. Are you sure? I think so, unless you've done one of your adding a load of stuff in. <laughs> In the last, like, 20 minutes when I was on my way here. An event that says stop adding dates so quickly. Exactly. I'm getting all of the notifications. Yeah, or literally, like, you writing in little motivational phrases for yourself so that you remember to do the work that you're contracted to do. <laughs> Tuesday, write some of my book. <laughs> it's important. Wednesday, write more of my book. I think other people probably do that, you know, it's important. so I don't take on other jobs. I know that I have technically got a job to do that day. Technically <laughs> and literally. <laughs> I could do it in a night. I could do like, be nice to your husband today, Rachel. Oh, yeah. Pop some of them in. But I haven't, I think, have I? To, to be perfectly honest, let's not pretend that we're not really nice to each other because oh, we are. Yeah, we are nice to each other. Not in this podcast, though. We can't no, be. No, no, no. This is going to be really, really combative. We must be professionally cold. All right. Thank you. Marcus Brigstock. I'm not answering that. <laughs> um, Marcus, you were in the film Love Actually. Did you meet Hugh Grant? What's he like and do you have his number? Uh, yes, I met Hugh Grant. Um, uh, what's he like? I've got to know him a little bit better since then. And he's like, he's just a really kind of conscientious guy who's really never been able to do anything without being observed which I think has been very difficult for him and he's you know, he's part of a campaign group that I'm part of hacked off so I have huge respect for him also I think he's got much better as an actor I thought you were going to say which is what I was thinking is that I think he's got much better looking as he's got older um it depends like for a lot of people that floppy 
The flop, oh dear, oh dear, whole oh, floppy. Oh, God. oh, oh gosh. Dear. <laughs> oh dear, what am I? Uh, uh, I don't know what I'm I, I never liked not that sure what I'm doing. very much. Do you like the bit in Notting Hill where he's trying to break into the park and says, oopsie daisies? No, I don't. I like it as a bit in the film, but I don't find it very attractive. But that's because you went to Oxford and were literally surrounded <laughs> by people who used oopsie daisies as, as one of their harshest swear curses. <laughs> that's true, I'm just saturated by yeah. that kind of man. Yeah, so I, I really like him. I like most people sort of have made their mind up about Hugh Grant by now. I yeah, doubt there's true. many going, too soon. I'm going to wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait and hear what Marcus Brigstock tells his wife about Hugh Grant before I really make my mind up. <laughs> um, just before we move on to the headlines, final question. Did you lock the back door? The back door? Yeah. No. You're very lax about that. Do you lock it? Yeah, of course. Burglars could come through the back garden. What? How do you feel about the front door? Yeah, I lock the front door. Do you? <laughs> Not always. No. <laughs> this is very dangerous. It's a really bad idea. To if tell anyone knows this. where we live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we would just walk in. Come on in. We're friendly people, and you know, after the pandemic and everything, it's just nice to see a few people, isn't it? Really it really is. We'll be very welcoming. We'll make Come this on in. very nice tea. Who are you? Yeah, because Mar- we, we've seen you in a van opposite the house for a while now, but you haven't come and said hello. Do you want an omelette? <laughs> an omelette? You'll probably make them an omelette. I might do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, shall we start the show with your first good find headline? Shit, have we not started? No. Yet? <laughs> Not really. Oh. Not properly. Okay. Warning, the next part of the show contains references to school. So if you're listening to this whilst in a lesson at school, I mean, well done, fair play, absolute legend. Marcus, your good find headline is, I was expelled from three schools. Now, obviously I know this already, but three, like three, it is a bit much, Marcus. Will you tell us what happened? No, I won't. <laughs> I, the fir- I can tell you, that as as your wife, the first one is my favourite reason. Yeah, because they get sadder as I got older. The <laughs> yeah. first, the Let's first, focus in on the first one. The first one's pretty good. I was just seven years old and had already worked out that I didn't like football. Marcus comes from Dickensian times. <laughs> and I was made to play football. There were assumptions made about boys and football that are Dead wrong. Gender stereotypes. That sort of thing, yeah. And I was made to play football and was just like, what? Even at that age, what is this all the time? Everyone's just running about after a ball. And at that age, the game of football is is two clumps of 11, no, 10, because someone's in goal, uh, two clumps of 10 people just being as near as they can to the ball. <laughs> All the time. It's not a sort of nuanced game where there's positions and stuff. Anyway, I didn't like football. I was made to play it. And it, this was, this was Rachel, can you imagine it? The 1970s. My God. My God. Literally before you were born, which is yeah. quite shocking. Yeah. But anyway, so I wasn't very good at maths, but I was good enough at maths to work out that if there was only one set of goalposts at one end of the pitch they were only going to need half the number of players. (laughs) (laughs) That equation includes, like, they will continue the game. Yes. Just with ten people running around a ball. Ten people running around a ball, but you're not going to need the the other team because (laughs) there's only one set of goalposts. So I found some uh, wood, some bark, some bits of sort of 
stuff that I found in the woods and stuff and built a bonfire round each of the um upward supporting struts mm-hmm. of the uh of the goalposts and um burnt them down. You burnt down the football goalposts of your school. Well, one of the sets. You've got to bear in mind how posh I am. Mm. Um which must have been a factor in your choice to yeah. marry me. Yeah, of course it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to elevate myself socially, yeah. 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 Uh, you a huge fan of Jane Austen, so the whole thing makes sense. It makes sense, yeah. But um, there were a lot of football pitches, but the one we were always on, which is the furthest one from the school, by the time you got to the pitch, you're knackered anyway. Of course it was. So, yeah, I burnt the post down. But the big mistake I made, and for any young arsonists out there, this is something to watch, I poured creosote over it because creosote smells like something that will burn, but it doesn't burn. Oh. It's just wet. It's sort of watery stuff. But it smelt to me like, yeah, that'll go woomph. That'll go right up. So, um, But it the, didn't. It didn't, no. It, it, it just meant that the... <laughs> I sort of... One set of posts I caused serious fire damage to. The other I just sort of smouldered in, in smoke. <laughs> Um, so, and I, I wasn't getting on terribly well at that school anyway. So they invited me to move on. They invited you to move on, and you were what eight at this point? I was seven. You were set, like so. This was within your first year of starting the school. Yes, it was. Wow, it was really straight away. <laughs> really bad. Uh, yeah. What was the second time? The second time, so I was by then at boarding school. Yeah, and um, there was. Um, there was a, a, a very small shop, not very far from the school, mm-hmm. but far enough that leaving to get there... Was would... it the old curiosity shop? <laughs> it was It was a little... Um, I think it was part of a, a club on the edge of a, like a gravel pit where there were sailing lessons. You could sail dinghies in the gravel pit and they sold sweets and fizzy drinks and yeah. stuff, which you couldn't get at school anyway i led successfully led a small expedition of um of of young lads uh to and back from the the sweet shop via a dual carriageway we did have to cross six lanes of a dual carriageway which as you know uh, a dual carriageway um, will have a central reservation. That's one of the... That uh, was your defence when they said you shouldn't have done this? No, it wasn't. But I did I did feel, and I still feel, really, that you've got a sort of landing point. Have you played Frogger? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so, you know, a landing point in the middle where everybody can just collect their thoughts before crossing the next three lanes... Of um, puckle struggled, I will say that asthma, but we all got across. <laughs> puckle, yeah. There wasn't really someone called Puckle. Of course, there was Puck. Puck was one of my <laughs> one of my dearest friends, and um, so we made it across. We got the sweets, and then uh, and made it back quick, smart. But I'm guessing the school said that you were putting lives at risk. Uh, that was very much how they felt about it. Yeah, yeah. I still look. I didn't. I didn't really feel heard. <laughs> where this was concerned in terms of making an appeal. I, I, you know, yeah. You probably also set several small fires as well. I did, I did actually at that school, yeah, quite a few fires. None indoors. No, no, not at that school, none indoors. Later on in life, um, where did this happen? Yeah, at the next school, actually, which I was also expelled from. I don't really know how we're married 
like you're so naughty and I'm <laughs> so well behaved. You are so good. Yeah. What's like, the naughtiest thing you did at school? Like the naughtiest thing I did was I once got out of PE by saying because I never liked PE. Uh, I got out of. Did hockey. you burn? Did you burn anything to get? No, out of it? No, no. What I did was I I got out of PE by saying that I had to revise for a Latin exam. But actually, I wasn't revising for a Latin exam. I was practising the piano. <laughs> what an incredible square. Yeah. What uh, an absolute creep you are. I was are. bullied. <laughs> uh, we're going to move on. I won't talk about the third expulsion because it's just a sad story of addiction. <laughs> That's right. It's the beginning of quite a severe spiral uh, downward down. spiral into addiction that got worse and worse until I got the help I needed. And then, like, since then, I've I've hardly broken the law uh, I've burned almost nothing and I've been much more content in my sure, life. Sure, but Gumtree people don't need to hear about. Um... No, no, boring, boring, boring. <laughs> Disclaimer, the next part of the show mentions the Ministry of Sound. I just wanted to mention that in case it brings back any flashbacks from your youth. It was ages ago. Move on, get over it. Okay, so Marcus, shall we move on to your next good find? Yes, please. Okay, it is this. Marcus Brigstock injured whilst performing podium dance. Now, I feel... Does this conflate two different things happening? Yes. I thought so, because podium dancing, true. Injuring yourself on stage, true. Yes. I I did injure myself on stage... Um, telling the true story of when I was a podium dancer. Right, right, right. Set the scene. Okay. Set which scene? The original scene, the podium dancing scene. Start with the fact that you were a podium dancer. Okay, fine. That makes sense. Yeah. That, that'll that probably be the thing that people are like, what? Yeah, that's the context people are missing. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so when I was um, 18 years old, I more than halved my body weight in under um, a year. I went from about 24 stone to 11 stone in about eight, nine months. And so my body was like this brand new, elastic, amazing, slim, movable, exciting thing that I loved playing with. Painting a very uh, erotic visual image for the listeners at home. Sure, of course. But it really did. It felt like having been so dangerously overweight and then suddenly not, it felt really good. And I, I was a goth. You know, I was, that's the music I was into. And you don't m- dance to goth music much. You sort of shuffle about. You just mull. You just mull. You sort of have a think. And you you might sway a little bit if you absolutely have to. Um, you would jump up and down if the cure are playing Shake Dog Shake. Sure. But that's it. And then um, this was like very early 90s. And so rave was a thing and dance music was huge. And um, I was taken to... Um, to a few clubs and just, I loved it. It was amazing. And feeling really good about my body, I climbed up onto various rostra <laughs> and through shapes in a big way. And I was never a particularly good dancer. You are but, a good dancer. Oh, thanks, baby. Yeah. Uh, but I was, at the very least, exuberant. And I think you'll back that claim. Oh, yeah, you throw some great shapes. One time after a wedding... You you didn't exactly tell me off, but you did have a word <laughs> about how exuberant my dancing was, saying I didn't leave a lot of space either physically or sort of emotionally for anyone else. That's right. Yeah, and I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> so it just felt really, really good. Dancing felt amazing. And then I, I went to the Ministry of Sound a lot, and one night I got scooped up by the 
the guy who ran the dance teams there, the, the, the dance crews. And they had like these professional dancers that would get up onto the podiums and dance for sort of half an hour or so at a few points during the evening. And they asked you to be one of those people. And they asked me to be one of those people. Real nice. And so I did that. And like when I say professional, let's be very clear about the terms here. I showed up, I danced. Sometimes we got paid, but usually they'd sort of leave us because ministry closed at about seven in the morning and they'd sort of leave us waiting and sometimes we'd get some cash, but more often than not, not. And then I danced at Equinox and Limelight as well. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. I and, just knew it was ministry. And the Hammersmith Palais. Lovely. So uh, it was it was a good time. So then skip a few decades later. Skip some decades later. Picture the scene. I'm now 40. <laughs> if you can believe such a thing. And I, I had put off telling the story of my recovery stuff, you know, drug addiction, alcoholism, compulsive eating, until then. And then I sort of went, actually, do you know what? It's a good story. It's worth telling. And I finished the show by doing the, you know, the old uh, switcheroo on the audience going, look, obviously I'd love to recreate for you the podium yeah. dancing stuff, but, you know, I'm 40 now and, ah, who am I kidding? And then... Uh, CNC Music Factory. Everybody dance now. <laughs> Kicked in, and I went nuts, and and did the full the full thing. And on the first night of the of a twenty four night run at the Edinburgh Festival, I snapped my Achilles tendon <laughs> to a delighted crowd <laughs> who probably thought it was deliberate. Totally thought it was deliberate because I had just said, "Look, I'm forty now. Clearly, I can't do this." <laughs> The music started. I was all of 30 seconds in when uh, I went ashen and collapsed and crawled off the stage. Oh, my God. And then on the off stage, Mike went, that's it. I'm done for. <laughs> Please like, leave. They were like, yeah, hey, this is again. hilarious. Warning. Coming up next is a workplace hazard. If your job is a stand-up comedian, it's very niche. Um Let's take a look at your next good find, Marcus. Someone once heckled me by throwing a prosthetic leg at me. It, ah. wasn't, it wasn't Adam Hills, was it? Uh, well, actually, Adam Hills did once um, leave his leg on stage after he basically he was the compare at Late and Live, um, which was a, a show that began at about one in the morning at the Edinburgh Festival. I used to do it loads and it was really good fun, but quite wild. Adam was a brilliant compare for it. And we we both started our stand-up careers at the same time in, in the same tiny little venue. So he and I were good mates. Anyway, he took his leg off and just left it in the middle of the stage. So I did have to deal with that. But Can I just say that I love that this is like a throwaway joke about it wasn't Adam Hills, was it? And you're like, that has actually happened. No, that has happened. <laughs> Everything has happened to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what happened was at the Glee Club, Someone who'd already heckled me then took his leg off and flung it at me. <laughs> I was thrown by it because you are, because it's... Yeah, that like that is a surprising thing to happen. It's a lot. It you, is a lot. Like there's things that as a comedian you read stories about, like getting beer flung at you yeah. and stuff like that or getting heckled. But yeah, having someone throw their leg at you is surprising. Rachel, I got kicked from over 10 feet away. <laughs> 
A person would rather hop home than hear the rest of my set. Imagine that. So so the compare for that show was was John Bishop, bless him. I don't know what's happened to him. No, I hope he's doing well. Bless him. Good he luck. was good yeah. at the time, good actually. Luck. Good luck to the boy. Good luck to him, I say. Why not? An older Scouse gentleman, yeah. you know. Um, and John Bishop was the, was the compare. Anyway, John then... Uh, I think it was sort of as he was starting to get recognised for how brilliant he is and he was out on tour and this was a good year and a half later. Part of his set, I didn't know this, was telling people about, I do a terrible John Bishop impression, I drift into cliche scouse, but t- uh, telling people about the time the the posh English lad had a leg thrown at him. <laughs> it's awful, isn't it? Um, anyway, and it was part of his set and how funny it was. And anyway, I was on in Gloucester, about a year and a half later, John had been on the week before and uh, I had no idea, but he'd told them the story and seen that I was coming there on tour the, the next week. And I walked out on stage and before I'd even started, someone on the left of the theatre went, uh, here, is it true you want sort of leg thrown at you? I hadn't even started and I was like, well, yeah, yes, I did. It was a while ago and look, it's hard to explain. And it happened again. What? They'd set it up, right? <laughs> like a raptor attack. That one got my attention. And another guy who had a prosthetic leg who John had met uh, after the thing, they'd set it up and he went, do you know what would be really funny? When he comes here next week, throw your leg at him. Right? And he'd set the whole business up. So I've got, I mean, that's that's nearly half a man. So that's actually a false headline. It's uh, someone uh, twice heckled me by throwing two prosthetic that's legs. That's right. Two pairs <laughs> yeah, or a pair of legs. I love that you've had a prosthetic leg shown at you. And once again, the difference between us is that the worst heckle I've ever experienced is I was doing my funny songs at my keyboard and I said something about, um, you know, thank you, everyone. Excuse the sound on my crappy Casio keyboard. And someone from the back heckled, excuse me, it's a Yamaha. <laughs> it's a different world, it's Rachel. It's a different world we it, inhabit. It's a wonder that you and I, frankly, <laughs> have got the same career uh, and are married. The best tackle I ever heard was early days. There was a club in Bristol called Jester's. I was the compare of the other club, which was great, and Jester's was a really, really hard kick. And one night in Jester's, a comic was dying on his ass on stage, playing to near silence, and someone from the back of the room just went, there used to be a pool table in here. <laughs> Warning, this next section mentions cheese. So if you're intolerant, then maybe just work on being a bit more tolerant. Marcus Brigstock, the love of my life, and I do say that to every guest. <laughs> Here's your next good find headline. Marcus Brigstock is a semi-professional cheese eater. Only semi-professional, they're saying here. I bet you're not happy about that. You have got no, a badge. I'm absolutely livid. I've got more than a badge, Rachel. Sorry, you've got you, a certificate as well. Yes, I have got a certificate. And which do you think is the more uh, th- is the more important thing? The certificate. I, I like the badge. Of course I like the badge. You're it's, not wearing it. It's a badge. No, because this is not a cheese-focused event. Um, lunch was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I am a qualified level one cheese master. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not yet done my level two. It's... Is coming. I, feel I wish it you would because it would be such a turn on. <laughs> Do you feel like the level one? Like he's kind of hot, but like a level two. Level two is master. like yeah, come on. Now he's full curd nerd. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I am. I went off. I was a judge at the World Cheese Awards 
in uh, in Bergamo in northern Italy. And uh, that was incredible. And uh, yeah, I got qualified. And in fact, just before coming here today, um, I'm afraid while you were out, sorry, um, I've opened a 60-month-old cheddar. This is a cheese old enough to go to school. Wow. Yeah. And it's delicious. It's nice, is it? It's not gone off. No, not at all. No, it's uh, it's really carefully aged and it's wax wrapped and uh, it's phenomenal. I do. I love the cheese. You've got very in the last year, like since doing that cheese course, people have started like asking you to do cheese events more, which I think is quite a nice turn of life for you. I did. It's a wonderful turn of life. Um, the whole the, the last few years, really, since you showed up, things have got a lot better for You're me. You're welcome. Uh, I hosted just recently a jazz and cheese pairing event because I don't drink alcohol. Uh, I, I, I wanted to do a pairing event and I, I said to them, look, the atmosphere of where you eat something is really important. If you think about having a paella overlooking the sea in, in Spain or, you know, pasta in Italy, there's something about place and all of the sound and everything that goes with it. So I paired um, a fresh one a funky one, a classic one, an old one, a sexy one, jazz. Sexy cheese. Sexy cheese, of course. Like gooey, really gooey cheese. <laughs> Don't look me in the eyes while you say that. <laughs> Horrible. <laughs> Gross. Uh, Marcus, my husband. <laughs> Rachel, my wife. Marcus, thank you very much for joining me on the Good Finds podcast. Is there anything you would like to uh, mention or plug? Perhaps how proud you are of your wife's new podcast? Just that? I'm enormously proud of my wife's Good Finds podcast. Thank you, Marcus. I think people should listen to it. But to be honest, they're only really going to know that if they're already listening to it. Yeah, he makes a good point. Very sensible man. That's why I married him. (laughs) Okay, I'll see you at home, Marcus. Leave the door on the latch. (laughs) It'll only be a minute. (laughs) Marcus Brigstock, thank you. And that's it for this episode and the series. Huge thanks to Marcus Brigstock. Was it just me or did we have a little bit of chemistry? I feel like we did. And we certainly learnt a lot as well, from cheese to the Ministry of Sound, from prosthetic legs to being expelled from school. He truly is a fascinating man, and that's not even mentioning the most interesting thing about him, me. Over the series, we've learnt a lot about Pete Wicks, Ellie Taylor, Cheryl Hull, Marcus Brigstock and Scarlett Moffat, and Catherine Tildesley, all excellent guests. Don't forget, you can follow us on social media at Gumtree on Twitter or at Gumtree UK on Insta. And you can follow me, Rachel Paris, hello, at Rachel Paris on Twitter or at Rachel SV Paris on Instagram. Let us know what good finds you found using hashtag good find. I've been Rachel Paris. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.